This is TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It's been a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on TheDetroitBureau.com. President Joe Biden has set the country on a course to go all-electric, or at least 50% EV by 2030. He's also reversed the rollback in federal fuel economy standards ordered by his predecessor. The announcement was well-received by the auto industry, though, if anything, environmentalists want an even faster shift to battery power. Joe Sesney will have more in this week's top story. The U.S. automotive market may be running out of steam. July sales were tepid at best, even though a handful of brands did report big increases. Ford suffered a 32% dip in demand for the month. Analysts believe it's not a sign of a weakening economy. The real issue is that ongoing shortage of semiconductor chips that's left American dealers with less than a third of the inventory they'd normally have this time of year. On the plus side, automakers are turning in unexpectedly strong earnings for the second quarter, and that's despite the chip shortage. Toyota actually set an all-time record for the April-June quarter, and Nissan turned in a modest profit after warning it might lose money. But industry analysts fear that earnings could grow weaker going forward, at least until the chip shortage ends. With the Delta variant spreading fast, automakers are taking steps to control the COVID crisis. Detroit's Big Three have reinstated mask mandates for assembly workers, as have some foreign-owned automakers. So far, they haven't started requiring vaccinations, but that could follow some insiders' warn. The industry hopes to head off another lockdown, like the one in spring 2020 that saw North American factories close for two months. Automakers continue giving the axe to sedans, coupes, and sports cars as Americans continue switching to SUVs and CUVs. Toyota is parking the Avalon sedan, with Mazda dropping the Mazda 6, and Acura plans to build just 250 special NSX-type S supercars before sending that model speeding off into the sunset. Finally, President Biden's billion-dollar infrastructure bill continues moving forward in Congress. A lot of that money will go to transportation projects like highways and bridges. Some will help fund the shift to EVs, and the bill also calls for a crackdown on drunk drivers. Future cars would use high-tech measures, like sensors, that could read the alcohol content in your blood. The impact could be huge. Drunks kill over 10,000 Americans annually, one every 28 minutes. And those are the stories making headlines on TheDetroitBureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney. Thanks, Paul. Electric vehicles are center stage again this week. President Joe Biden invited automakers to the White House to watch him sign an executive order aimed at making EVs half the new cars and trucks sold in the U.S. by the end of the decade. The president also said he's reversing the Trump administration's short-sighted policies which rolled back fuel economy and clean air standards set under Barack Obama. There is no going back. The U.S. is falling behind China and Europe in the EV race, Biden said, and the country can and must do better. Officials from Detroit, including representatives from GM, Ford, and Stellantis, were invited to the signing ceremony. But Asian and European carmakers said they are also committed to the administration's proposal promising to hit 50% EVs. Some environmental groups did complain Biden did not go far enough. They fear automakers will ignore the executive order and warn the industry cast aside earlier pledges to build cleaner vehicles. This time around, though, carmakers are making huge investments to bring new battery electric vehicles to market. 
GM this week said it will spend another $8 billion on EVs by 2025. That will let it build more battery plants and produce an all-new electric cargo van for Chevrolet. And that's this week's top story. Now here's Larry Prince with this week's review. Thanks, Joe. You know, GMC struck gold with its Denali sub-brand, a top-of-the-line GMC trim level that commands an average transaction price higher than Mercedes-Benz Jaguar or BMW. Given its success, GMC followed with the AT4 trim level, which offers much but not all of the Denali's luxury, but with an emphasis on off-road capability at a price a few thousand dollars lower. For 2021, the GMC Yukon gets an AT4 model and wears some of the unique styling details along with functional items like underbody skid plates. Under the hood, you'll find the same engine that resides in most Yukons, an overhead valve 5.3 liter V8 and a 10-speed automatic transmission. Four-wheel drive is standard, which is a $3,000 option otherwise. Payload is 1,702 pounds and towing is rated at 7,700 pounds. Climb inside, and you're greeted by an extraordinarily spacious interior, with three rows of seats and up to nearly 123 cubic feet of cargo space. Much of the Yukon AT4's opulence, however, comes from its $9,145 Premium Plus package, which adds a dual-pane sunroof, rear seat, 12.6-inch HD video screens, second-row heated bucket seats, among other items. When it comes time to drive, you'll find the Yukon AT4 size is ever-present easily filling lanes and parking spaces. Yet there's more than enough power, although the EPA fuel economy is just 18 miles per gallon in combined driving, and we got 16. The AT4's off-road tuning produces less undulation over bumps than you might expect, with the optional air suspension, that is. But its garden shed-like styling makes seeing people and objects near the vehicle impossible without its surround-view camera. If the AT4 catches your fancy, you'll find it to be a nice package, but not the most compelling one among GM full-size SUVs. But it should prove popular nonetheless. That's this week's review, and now Mike Strong will look at what's coming in the week ahead. Thanks, Larry. This week's going to be a busy one. We'll be offering up our driving impressions on two new vehicles, the 2022 Nissan Frontier and Hyundai Santa Cruz. Those automakers expect them to be part of their long-term success, as well as their bottom line. The Frontier got its first major overhaul in about a decade and is part of the very competitive mid-sized truck market. Since Nissan's looking to get back into the black, making Frontier a leader in the segment gets it closer to that goal. Hyundai's new compact pickup, or sport adventure vehicle, really competes with only the Ford Maverick, for now. However, if it attracts the young urban buyers it's targeting in big numbers, it won't be long before other car makers dive into the segment. Being one of the first may be the best way to be a leader. Additionally, we've got an investigative piece that examines the political clout automakers garner through their financial donations. In late June, Toyota came under heavy criticism due to its contributions to Republicans who voted against certifying the 2020 election. Toyota ultimately halted those payments, but the Japanese automaker wasn't the only one doing it. We'll tell you what other company was engaged in the same practice and if it's still going on. Finally, we'll be traveling to the launches of the Toyota GR86, the small sports coupe produced jointly with Subaru, and the Jeep Grand Wagoneer, which returns after decades away. If any news breaks during those events, or anywhere else for that matter, you can be certain we'll bring it to you. Now let's go back to Larry to learn more about automotive history. Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with This Week in Automotive History. This week in 1877, Nicholas Otto has issued German patent 532 for his four-stroke engine. 
it would take Saab another 90 years to see the brilliance of his design. More on that in a moment. Much to the annoyance of those in a hurry, 107 years ago, the American Traffic Signal Company installs the world's first traffic light in, you guessed it, Cleveland, Ohio, at the corner of Euclid Avenue and 105th Street. The first car to run a red light most likely happens within minutes. This week in 1928, Walter Chrysler creates a new brand to compete against Oldsmobile, Willys, Studebaker, and others. Named after the explorer who discovered the Mississippi River in 1541, DeSoto is meant to fill the gap between Chrysler and Plymouth. But Walter buys Dodge Brothers mere months after DeSoto debuts, dooming the brand to also ran status until its demise in 1960. Fifty-eight years ago, in 1963, Craig Breedlove sets a new land speed record of 407.45 miles per hour on the Bonneville Salt Flats in his car, the three-wheeled Spirit of America. The jet-propelled vehicle features a fuselage design and would become the subject of a Beach Boys song not long after that. Four years later, in 1967, the first Saab with a four-stroke engine debuts, the Saab 96 V4. Powered by a European Ford engine developing 65 horsepower. The 96 first appeared in 1960 with a two stroke engine, but the car pioneered many safety features, including a dual circuit braking system and a collapsible steering column. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry, and that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News.